We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What? Aha, you thought you were going to get that, didn't you? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. This is Darius. I'm joined for the first time by Harrison Fagan, editor-in-chief and guru and overseer of everything at Silver Screen and Roll, recent graduate. Let's hear the applause for Harrison. Welcome aboard. Thanks for coming on. No, it's... How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing as well as I can after like two straight days of covering the magic Lakers apocalypse. You know, it's an honor to finally get to go on my internet dad's podcast. It's like it's a shame that he was not here to welcome me on, but that figures with him. So uh, I, I appreciate you having me on in his stead. I, I really thought you were going to give me the what's up Lakers fans. You almost got it. But, you know, I cannot. I think that's trademark infringement on my behalf. <laughs> so... I would have had to have given Pete extra money to actually say that. So that's just not going to happen. Pete was unavailable this week. He did want me to, I think he said, man up and record a pod. He said, you can make yourself feel bigger by inviting Harrison or something. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's what I did. So Harrison, like I said, welcome so it's been a little while since the last Laker Film Room pod. L- the Laker Film Room pod brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network, by the way. I wanted to get that in. Shout out to Blue Wire. If you're not following Blue Wire and all the new pods and everything, you should be jumping on the network and seeing all of the great content that the network's pro- will producing, um, including this podcast here. So back to Lakers business. It's been a couple of weeks since the last Laker Film Room podcast, and a few things have happened, Harrison. 
including, so we're recording this on a Tuesday night, including Magic Johnson, as I wrote, sort of doing a Hulk smash on the entire Lakers organization. He jumped on first take, coincidentally, the morning that the Lakers were going to introduce Frank Vogel as their brand spanking new head coach. And he took a flamethrower to the organization. He threw Jeannie Buss under the bus. He basically called Rob Palinka a backstabber. He had some not-so-kind words for Tim Harris, and he framed Jesse and Joey Buss in an interesting way, and on down the line. You know, this is the organization he loves, Harrison, and I'm sure you felt the love. Oh, I felt the love for all 40 minutes that I was transcribing of the entire uh, the entire interview. It, what was fun, and so this was something that stuck out to me throughout the whole thing, and maybe like the overarching theme of the first take thing is just like a lack of, a, almost stunning lack of self-awareness for Magic, because you have him talking out of one side of his mouth, where he's calling Jeannie a sister. He's saying that all Lakers fans have to get behind Frank Vogel, who, oh, by the way, he wanted Tyron Lue over. He made sure to get that in a couple times. You know, they have to get behind Rob Palinka, who, oh, by the way, is a backstabber who basically drove Magic out and shouldn't be trusted. But free agents should trust him and that we have to get behind Lakers fans. It's like the the theme to me was it's like Magic, if you really want to help the Lakers, you really have a funny way of showing it because, you know, he they put out there that this was something that was booked well in advance. I don't know how long it takes to book a t- TV appearance. I don't think that it takes like two weeks in advance to book it, especially not for someone like Magic Johnson that can like presumably fly himself in and is no longer employed by the Lakers, a job that he apparently, as he admitted on TV, wasn't doing all that frequently or going into the office for all that frequently anyway. And so I don't know, it was it was like you said, I thought you summed it up pretty well in your piece on form blue and gold. But like, yeah, he blowtorched the whole organization. Like, I think some of the other stuff, like he talked about how Jeannie had there had been an understanding with her that he was not going to be in the office all the time. And then you dug up that clip of him talking about how this was the only job he would go in and be in the office all the time and pour himself 100% into. So like, yeah, I think his quote was actually 150% and he was (laughs) going to be leaving his, his businesses to the side. So from my perspective, it's sort of two things with this. First of all, I I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the lack of self-awareness that Magic had, to me, it felt like he went on the air to sort of get some sympathy and to frame what happened and why he left the organization so suddenly as other people's faults. On some levels, I can understand his perspective. He had um, his number two basically sort of undermining him by speaking poorly about him, not only within the organization from Magic's perspective, but also based off what Magic said to people outside the Lakers organization. He mentions that people from the business side, and he ID'd Tim Harris. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah, Tim Harris, former former semi-professional soccer goalkeeper, as I learned yesterday for some, from some research. So versatile guy. <laughs> He's going to need to be doing some savings with this one. Um <laughs> So that Tim Harris was sort of um, stepping out of his lane a little bit as sort of head of the business side to offer input on basketball decisions, which isn't a good look. He mentioned then that Jeannie Buss is being influenced by people like Tim Harris and 
and Rob Palinka and limiting the amount of power and overall decision making that Magic Johnson thought he had had as president of basketball operations. None of that sounds good if I'm Magic Johnson. And I can understand if viewing it through that singular lens and through that very narrow window that these are things that would upset me. They would be things that would make me feel dissatisfied with my job. And they would make me feel like, you know, like, hey, I'm Magic Johnson. I have better things to do with my time than this. And he could walk, walk away. So on one side, like the going out there for sympathy, solely looking at this through Magic Johnson eyes and only about him and what was done to him, I can understand where where he's coming from. But totally. that self-awareness piece that you brought up about, well, what about everything else? What about the fact that as president of basketball operations, he's the one who's supposed to manage this environment, right? If Rob Palinka is speaking poorly, be well, behind your back, then as the president of basketball operations, it's your job to manage that. If Tim Harris is sort of stepping out of his lane, it's your job to manage that. If you have to then manage up with Jeannie Buss to get her to understand what the structure of the organization should look like and, and understand that the job that he was hired to do was to execute X, Y, and Z and, and sort of finesse that situation. That's the job of president of basketball operations. It's not just sitting up there on some giant throne and basically delegating everything and then telling people, bring me information. And then the final decision is mine and mine alone to make. There's a collaborative nature here that he didn't seem to grasp as a key part of the job. And I think that that coincides with how he was not always there physically to maybe have his finger on the pulse of what was going on within the organization. And so when things were sort of coming at him from behind or coming at him from the side, he thought he was maybe just going to be able to what be just say, well, I'm magic Johnson, exactly like step to the side. And I just think that that's a gross misunderstanding of what his duties were as president of basketball operations, to me, he came out of this looking somewhat like a victim in some ways, but also someone who just was not equipped to do this job and looking like someone who's that the Lakers are actually better off for him not no longer being in that position is that sort of your read on it as well yeah absolutely I, I think that the part of what you said right there to me that really I think stands out and is accurate is like or I guess all of it's accurate but like the the part about him being Magic Johnson and thinking that that's enough it's not when you were hired to run people like it's great that you were a franchise legend but people need to see that you're working hard too you can't just be the guy that says bring me this menu I will choose the option because I am a Magic Johnson basketball genius and basketball savant essentially what he did yesterday was he went on TV said that he had permission to not do the job that he was hired for. And then his main complaint was that people didn't like it when he wasn't doing that job and didn't want to listen to him when he wasn't doing that job. And then he wanted, I guess, to get his, you know, he called it on Twitter, get speaking his truth 
he wanted to get his truth out there so that people would feel bad for him and say, oh, poor Magic Johnson. He was aggrieved and he got screwed over by the Lakers. And while like, you know, to borrow a phrase from you, like, yes and no, he, he was on some level because it seems like there is a lot of chicanery going on there. And like, I don't think that if this is either of us saying that everything going wrong right now is Magic Johnson's fault, but he certainly did not help things. And they almost inarguably after this, I, I think have shown that they're better off without him. You know, you have the stuff about like him saying one thing on TV when he was hired and then saying another thing yesterday. He, he's starting to come off as the type of person that just says whatever he thinks is going to play, almost like a politician. They're, they're saying whatever they think is going to best yeah. play to the audience that's right in front of them at the time. But the problem is, is he's like saying different things in the same interviews or saying different things about the same things. And, you know, then there was a report this morning on Tuesday from Eric Pincus, a Bleacher Report, that Magic, he wasn't even giving the, like, part of the miscommunication at the trade deadline and what led Jeannie Buss to call all those offers, like, fake news in the media was because Magic wasn't even fully briefing her on the extent of the offers that he was giving to the Pelicans. And so, and, and then you have, you know, that a lot of people seem to think that Magic was the source of these leaks. And again, I, I think it would be naive to think that Magic Johnson was the only one leaking during this thing. Like the negotiations like that don't get as ugly in public as they did if it's not both sides leaking out trade rumors. But that's right. I, I think that it's like given that how silent the Lakers have gone since Magic stepped down, I, I think it is fair to guess at that a lot of the leaking through the media was coming from him. Well, I think some of the sloppier ones. Yes. Right. Yeah. The Pelicans news, especially around the trade trade deadline, that stuff was sloppy. The leaks that have come out of the Lakers front office in the time since Magic Johnson resigned have been standard protocol leaks, yep. right? Like, these are the candidates that the Lakers are considering for their head coaching job. Like, these are the people who were involved in the interview process. Um, this is what's going to happen. Rob Palinka is going to go to this place and going to interview this person. Yeah. And this is who he has with him. And... This is interview number one. It's basically press releases, yes. but unofficially. So the Lakers can kind of say whatever they want without, you know, like tampering fines and things like that. Yeah. And so it, it would not surprise me if Magic Johnson, um, someone who he has said this himself, has been around the game for 40 years and has relationships all across the league, that he would be someone who has the ear of reporters x y and z right and it also would not surprise me if del demps or whoever else was involved with the pelicans negotiations for for example were also sort of like spinning things and leaking things in a way to make the lakers look especially bad absolutely right and so so both things can can be true another area where both things can can be true is with what what we've been saying about magic. Yes. Right. And so magic can completely be in the wrong here or come off like basically a jackass in <laughs> to say it bluntly. Yeah. With, with the way that he's hand handled this, right. Like going on TV and, and even with his resignation, you, you know, doing it in the bowels of Staples center with assembled media who were waiting to go into the locker room for locker room access. So, there's handling things the way that he's he's handled things and 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 how I believe at least he's come off poorly for that. None of that though changes the fact 
that the people who remain with the Lakers now, and that means Jeannie Buss, it means Rob Palinka, um, specifically those two, they don't come off well in this either. No. Right? And so Rob Palinka can go out in front of the media at Frank Vogel's press conference, and he can pivot, and he can parry off questions. He can sort of run out the clock and sort of give non-answer answers or halfway answers or or even half-truth answers. My favorite was where he was explaining the power structure within the organization oh and how he said, well— you know, the president of basketball operations was a position that did not exist before Magic Johnson. And so the Lakers are simply not going to fill that position without acknowledging the fact that technically that's true. But Jim Buss was a vice president of basketball operations. That was a position that the general manager, Mitch Kupchak, reported to. Right. And so the power structure is not the same. Palinka trying to pawn it off as if it is, is just like I said, not really in an honest telling of what is going on within the Lakers organization right now in comparison to what it was under the previous regime. And so it's true. It's true, but it's not truthful. Like it's. Yes, yes. He's right that that was a new position created for Magic. Uh, the funniest part about that was the part where he was saying, it, we, "We don't think that anyone but Magic could fill it," which was like, like after everything that had happened this morning, was just an incredible statement. I think Bob Myers could fill it. Yeah, I think Masai Ujiri could fill it personally. Not in the same way Magic did. You know, would those guys be willing to work eight hours a week? I don't know, Darius. So. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Just don't treat us like we're stupid. Don't, And it's not just us. Like, don't treat the fans like they're stupid. Like, they know that there was somebody above the general manager before. And, like, I, on one hand, I think that e even as a media member who wants people to say interesting things because it gives me more interesting things to write about. Like, uh, I did not enjoy that particular part of the Mitch Kupchak era. But for the Lakers, looking at it from their perspective, there is a certain art in being able to say a lot of words without really revealing a lot. And I think that we saw some of that from Palinka yesterday. We've seen him tone back the biblical references and the analogies and the reading a passage from a book and almost doing like his version of a Magic Johnson impression and being bombastic and trying to give the good quote and being uh, gregarious and charismatic and all of that stuff. He, he didn't really even try to do that yesterday. He just tried to say as much as he could without really saying very much at all, which is like, that's a skill. And that potentially could help the Lakers as long as you're not also like borderline misleading us while you're doing it. Well, what I would say too, though, is that Handling things that way now is totally fine. And if that is the the tack that he takes moving forward, okay, I think that that's a reasonable approach to, to take. The problem is that it's this shift from what he was before, and it comes off as disingenuous. That's true. Which plays into the perception that already exists of him that he is somewhat untrustworthy. So a steady hand from leadership is definitely needed here. And I think Palinka did his best to try to provide that steady hand. He took the high road when he could. He sort of like commented, but no commented, right? When he had the opportunity to do so, he tried to bring the focus back to to areas that were important and 
and meaningful, and he tried to run the press conference with a certain amount of purpose and poise. All of that is needed right now. It's just that you wish that was how things had been for the last 26 months. And in reality, it has not been. It's also not really a perfect approach to take when you've just basically like shut out the media for like five or six weeks after and also during one of the most dysfunctional periods in franchise history. I don't know that it's really a stretch to call it that, even as many fireworks as the Lakers have dealt with. Like to have negotiations with a coach that you basically had all but announced you were going to hire break down like that is kind of insane. And like to have that and then it's on top of the ma how Magic Johnson resigned and the haphazard nature of it to completely shut people out and then show up with Frank Vogel as like your kind of human meat shield and just be like, oh, we're excited to introduce Frank. Let's all ask a bunch of questions about coaching. Like the media were was chomping at the bit yesterday to get at Palinka for yeah, uh, to get answers yeah. on all of this stuff. And like I, I think there's a sentiment among fans and increasingly among the American populace, but we don't have to get too far down that rabbit hole to be annoyed with the media and say that they're just looking for negativity and negative stories and whatever. It's like I presume everyone listening to this podcast wants to know what has been going on with the Lakers, and it would be nice to hear it from Rob Palinka. Instead of hearing it from... Well, he's the only one. Yeah. He is the only one. And this is where I think you could knock Gene... Well, well Genie bus again, but we're not going to go there right now. But he was the one who had to get out in front of the media. And I think that he did himself a disservice. I think he did the organization a disservice. And I think he did Frank Vogel a disservice by not being more accommodating to the questions that everyone knew need will needed to be asked and that everyone wants and on some levels deserve answers to even if they're just going to be sort of non-answer yeah. answers i think this is a good point to transition to frank vogel because you know i think just like the lakers did with this press conference yesterday they're sort of we're sort of trampling on what is real important news and things to discuss about the Lakers new new head coach but before we do that a quick word from our sponsor Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience go to harrys.com slash Blue Wire to save $10 on a value trial set that includes a five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover for your razor Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. All right, so Harrison, Frank Vogel. Yeah, I... Impressed... I was impressed with what he had to say about 
basketball when he was given a chance to yesterday, which wasn't a lot. Um, I actually went through for a post that I wrote for Silver Screen and Roll yesterday. Uh, I counted out how many questions there were during that press conference. There were 16 of them, in case you were wondering. Seven of them, of the 16, at Frank Vogel's introductory press conference were addressed to Frank Vogel. He also had an opening statement that I didn't count. And then he also had, he jumped in on a question to Rob at one point to kind of talk about how positive the organization has been since he got here, you know, like a week ago, you know, something that was kind of funny to me, because it's like, I don't know how qualified you are to defend them just yet, because you've been here like a week. Of course, you have positive feelings about them. They just offered you a whole lot of money. Um, Only five of the questions that he got were actually about basketball. Most of the basketball stuff that we got was from his opening statement. But I thought that what he did say was encouraging to me. And I think that in large part, the, the big question about Frank Vogel was, like, did he learn from what went wrong in his last two stops? Like, he was in large part let go in Indiana because that team, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of things going on. But one of the chief criticisms, and I think Larry Bird even gave this on the record at times, was like that he wanted them to play more small ball and do more kind of modern basketball things and ended up, they just ended up, I think, not renewing Vogel's contract. And then he went to the Magic and obviously things didn't go well there, but it's hard to pin all of that on him when there was as much yeah they were tanking. yeah they were tanking there was a bunch of roster turnover there were a bunch of injuries and there was a new front office that just didn't want him but like obviously things didn't go well like he didn't solve the problems either so the big question for me was like which coach are we getting are we getting the one in indiana that showed a lot of basketball knowledge and really seemed to find the strengths of his team and kind of accentuate them versus like trying to shoehorn them into some type of system. And like, he even called it during his press conference, uh, he called Orlando like a basketball laboratory for him where he was just experimenting. And then I just thought that a lot of the stuff that he said about learning about where the game is going, about his sabbatical over the last year, going and listening to teams about like how they try to attack in the most uh, optimal ways and taught him talking about how much he values analytics and the types of shots that he values and the way that he wants to, you know, he said, I think he said he wants to build his offense from the outside in. He wants to use spacing to create room for easy layups. And like on one hand, sure, that's what every team in the modern NBA could want to do. I can hear a lot of you saying, duh. But at the same time, that is very much not the approach that the Lakers took last year. And so it's still, even if it doesn't seem like much, it's progress. It also wasn't necessarily the approach that Vogel took when he was with the Pacers. Yes. So there were some great quotes that Vogel had when he was actually hired to Orlando from Indiana. And he basically had talked about, I need to sort of unlearn a lot of the things that I believed as basketball philosophy offensively um, come coming into this job. And it sort of took him a full season with Orlando um, to sort of sort through some some of those issues. But when you look at the offensive profile of the team, um, his second season in 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 Orlando and and his last season there, which was his second season because he only made it through two well two, which years is of, kind of incredible in and of itself. Like it's really rare that a coach gets fired that quickly. I feel like. Well, it's very interesting. We don't want to go too much on on a tangent about Orlando, but it's it's totally indicative of sort of where their organization was basically since the Dwight Howard trade that they would have a entire front office in place 
they would let that front office hire a brand new coach. Um, and then basically after two seasons, fire the front office entirely, hire a new front office. And then basically the new front office comes in and says, you know, well, we didn't hire this coach. We want a new coach. And then that coach is gone. Sounds familiar. It sort of does. Right. We can relate. Yes. Um, here as Lakers fans. So, so Vogel, I, I'm not saying that he didn't get a fair shot. I would have been very interested to see what year three would have looked like for Vogel, which would have been this season yeah, with Orlando, right? And Steve Clifford did an excellent job with, with Orlando. And, and Steve Clifford has a reputation of sort of turning teams around quickly. He did it when he was in Charlotte, and now he's done it again in, in Orlando. Steve, Steve Clifford is a very good head coach. I actually think that Frank Vogel's a very good head coach too, and that he went into a tough situation in in Orlando and came off of a very good job that he did in Indiana, and he was there for six seasons. I think that his time was probably up there, and I yeah. think that Larry Bird probably made the right decision, and now we're going to see what the Lakers get with Frank Vogel. If he can sort of combine modern era NBA offensive thinking with the defensive chops that his best teams in Indiana showed, that is a formula for success in the NBA, right? And if the Lakers get that coach, they are well positioned um, from a coaching standpoint. Roster is going to matter um of course, but they have LeBron James. They currently have young players and they're going to have to go out and recruit in free agency for all the stuff that we just talked about with the sort of tire fire that is the Lakers front office and where the perception is with that. I think that um, LeBron James sort of recruiting and Frank Vogel being maybe the adult in the room. Yeah. Um that can make a difference. And and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about beyond however impressed you were with what he brought to, to the table in terms of the quality of his answers and explanations to the questions that he was asked. Personally, I was more impressed just with his demeanor and his general outlook on things. And and I was wondering if you saw things the same way as No, I, I actually, I, I did want to make a note of that because I was especially encouraged by not even just like from a, how does this benefit the Lakers standpoint, but also from a selfish, like I am a member of the media who has to go and interact with these people sometimes. So like, I would like them to be relatively pleasant people and like listening to him talk he came off like he he wasn't taking his press conference getting derailed by magic johnson's first take appearance personally he seemed to understand and he, he even talked about that he knows the media has a job to do and that they have to ask questions that they need answers to for their stories and you know he seemed to have an understanding of that and that's something that you need in los angeles with as ridiculous as this franchise can get as, at points and even when it was good like during the Shaq and Kobe eras and during the later Kobe years like there was always ridiculous things going on and there was crazy off the court stuff and whatever and like the whole you need to know what it means to be a Laker cliche doesn't hold a lot of water with me but you do need to know how to like conduct yourself when you are a Laker know what comes with being a Laker and being the Lakers head coach 
And so like him talking about the togetherness that they need to have from the organization, both above him and on the court and how if like they can get everybody together and on the same page that that kind of stuff translates to the basketball floor. Like I, I was, I thought that was a good sign for the Lakers. I also thought that he, I just thought that he really handled himself as well as possible amidst like kind of a unenviable introduction to Lakers fans coming on the heels of like such an explosive morning for everyone. Yeah, I thought considering the context of what the day was by the time that he was introduced, I thought that he did incredibly well. I thought he came off poised. Um, Two words that came to me almost immediately when I listened to him talk, especially in the media scrum after the press conference, was he came off as seasoned Yeah, and he came off as personable. He was just a very relatable person and... I think when you listen to some of the quotes that um, his former players have said about him, David West has had some good quotes and um, Paul George. Paul George basically called him like almost a second father figure, I believe, like or one of the most influential men he had ever had in his life. Vogel has just always been someone, or at least he was in in Indiana, and and I think that this was one of the key reasons for their success is that he sort of had this unwavering support for for his players, and he was never going to trash them to the media. He was always going to remain positive and invoke the idea of of team and togetherness and and use that as a way to sort of galvanize the group to get everyone moving in the same direction. And if there's one thing this Lakers organization needs right now, it's that. Now, I don't know if you can expect the head coach to be the driver of that culture for your entire organization, but I think it's helpful that he is like that. I'm not sure if he's going to be the rising tide that that lifts all the boats around him. But if there's one person who I really want right now to have that, it's at least the head coach considering everything that's going on and and sort of how entrenched the other people are, right? You're not getting rid of Jeannie Buss. You're not getting rid of Rob Rob Palinka. Can you imagine if they would have like hired maybe like Jason Kidd to be the head coach? Now I know Jason Kidd is on this staff, but it's different. When it comes right down to it, that there's a different equation. And and I'm happy that Vogel equated himself the way that he did in the first opportunity he had. Um and like I said, like the firing line was there and they weren't necessarily there for Vogel, but they were there. Yeah. And I think that he stood up tall and basically deflected the heat and sort of disarmed the media there and got them on his side and believing in him and nothing else. And the Lakers as an organization, I think, really needed that. And I was happy that that someone there was able to provide it. My my only concern is like, so if we just took everything you just said. And I don't know how many times you said his name, uh, you said Vogel, but if we just had our wonderful producer bleep all of those instances, like, who does that sound a lot like? Yeah, the guy that just got let go, right? 
It sounds like the guy that just got let go. And so, like, obviously there are differences, but, like, we've seen that those qualities in and of themselves don't necessarily equate to this organizational togetherness or this pass-happy offense or, you know, like, everyone playing for each other and everyone buying into the coach and all the togetherness that he talked about. There are differences, obviously, and this is not me saying, like, oh, the Lakers should have never let Luke go. They should bring him back. This is the same thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying the only way that any of this matters is if he has buy-in from the front office, which he seems to have, despite being their third choice. You know, they still picked him, and they will presumably stand behind their own guy a lot more than they will behind someone who they don't aren't really a fan of coaching-wise and didn't hire. But the main one is, like, how much can he get LeBron James to buy-in? We talked a lot about how he's gotten support. You know, he's obviously, he got Paul George to buy-in. He got all of those Pacers players to buy-in. But, like, LeBron is a different thing. LeBron is like a different beast and he's going to have to be able to get him to buy in. I don't really know how to take, I don't want to overread into LeBron James being at his introductory presser. Like that seems like, I mean, even though the whole team wasn't there. So I guess that it shows something Yeah, better there than not. Yeah. It's better that he was there than that he wasn't there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that LeBron James and Frank Vogel are going to be this excellent partnership for the next three years or however long LeBron remains with the franchise. Like it's a promising sign. But I think that we shouldn't read too much into it. I think the, the LeBron question is probably the most important one at this point in terms of the guys who are currently here, right? He is the best player. He has his own history and reputation in terms of his clashing with certain coaches and, and his sort of ability to still produce otherworldly numbers while sometimes coasting and not necessarily always having that buy-in that you want from your best player. So I think it, I think it is good that, that LeBron was there, but obviously what's going to matter is how they connect behind the scenes. Vogel talked about, he's going to coach his guys hard. He's going to coach them honestly. And from the people who have, chronicled LeBron's career the closest. I'm talking about like the Brian Windhorse, especially Brian Windhorse. One of the things that those people say is that LeBron wants to be coached. He wants to be held accountable. And it's the coaches who sort of don't do that, that end up not getting his respect. Right. And, um, I have no insight into what Luke Walton was like, behind the scenes with LeBron James, but I've heard plenty of reports about what Ty Lu was like with LeBron James behind the scenes. And that was someone who had no qualms about telling him to, you know, to stand in line and to make a defensive rotation. And there's that famous story about Lou going to, to, to LeBron and basically telling him we need more from you. I think it was during halftime of game seven of the finals, right? Yes. Like we need more from you. And then LeBron going out there and delivering for him. Right. And there are plenty of similar stories about Eric Spolstra sort of like pushing LeBron to be a better defender, to get in the post more, to not necessarily just be this pick and roll wing who was always floating around the perimeter and sort of got him to expand his game. So if Vogel can sort of bring that same 
sort of like, I'm a veteran coach. I've coached a superstar player before. I'm going to basically do this the only way I know how. And if that's coaching hard and coaching with honesty, then I think that he has a chance to connect with LeBron. I don't think it's going to be overnight, but I think he's going to make some some inroads. I also think, look, what option does LeBron have necessarily? He did not sign these like, like one plus one contracts with the Lakers the way that he did with, with the Cavs. He is under contract for two more seasons and then he has a player option for a third season. He can clamor for a trade or he can try to make make waves, but I'm not sure if there's anyone who has crafted their image better than LeBron James in the modern NBA, right? In terms of a veteran of of his stature. And so Kobe is the only one that has had as much control over their own narrative, I think is the only one that you can put on that same level. Yeah. In terms of the guys who were like outwardly famous. Yeah. Right. Like a guy like, like Dirk or Duncan, they certainly had um, very similar reputations as, as being upstanding players who were committed to team and this, this, that, and the other. Right. But LeBron is, one of the most famous athletes in the world and clearly the most famous NBA player. I'm not sure if he wants to sort of go into a season without buying in and he's going to be 36. Like this is his last shot, right? Yeah. Does he want to burn another year? I'm not necessarily sure about that. So I think it's in his best interest to not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to buy into Frank Vogel from the first second, but to be, as Dave McMenamin said, professional at first and be open to the situation and see where it goes. And if things go poorly on all sides, then no one's going to blame LeBron for sort of being like, okay, like maybe we need to figure something else out here. But I think that he's well positioned to sort of have a partnership with Vogel if he wants it. Yeah, and all that is without even saying the the part that was, I think it was Joe Varden of The Athletic was talking about today that LeBron is, you know, by all accounts, he's happy in Los Angeles and he's happy being here for his kid being in high school and all of that stuff. And, you know, he's a family man and probably doesn't want to uproot his whole family again to go somewhere else at this point. And so, like, you know, you talked about, like, Frank Vogel talking about he was going to coach everyone tough and all of that stuff. The the other thing that he talked about in that same breath was that he was going to coach everyone differently. And, you know, like, what that means is kind of open to interpretation. But to go back to the part about, like, you, you said that you didn't know if Luke Walton had like called out LeBron James behind closed doors this year. And I, I don't know that with any certainty either, but I do know that I I was either at or I listened to every single media availability that Luke Walton did over the last year. And there were multiple times where he had a chance to criticize LeBron James for, you know, a lackadaisical effort on defense or whatever it may be. And he always went out of his way to defer to LeBron. I think, I think for him, that was his way of showing LeBron respect, but I don't think that it had the effect that, you know, you would have wanted. And I don't think that it earned LeBron's respect. Whereas Vogel does seem like he's going to be a guy, you know, at least on his face that is more willing to go to battle with LeBron. 
Yeah, I think at least behind the scenes, yes. right? And so I think that there's putting a nice face on things in public, right? And, you know, unless you're Phil Jackson or someone with that type of crazy stature, getting into a pissing match with your best player in the media is typically not the best strategy. It's actively detrimental to your job security and your chances of success and all of yeah, those things. Like, yeah. yeah, Phil Jackson can do that. Maybe Greg Popovich could do it i mean maybe a guy like rick uh rick carlisle yeah in terms of guys who are in the league right now but but the number of coaches who can do that is is really frank vogel's not on it he is not but coaching guys hard behind the scenes being someone um steve kerr can do it too by the way sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) um but how you go about your business behind the scenes are you holding guys accountable in the film room yeah um on the practice court if you're trying to build a culture of accountability and hard work those are the places where those habits are built right and so you can put a nice face on things to the media and not throw people um shade publicly to the press and Vogel's history implies that he's not going to be that type of person, even if he is upset with, with a player. My bigger thing is, is how is he connecting those dots behind the scenes in order to make sure that players are being held to a certain standard? Speaking of players, one thing I wanted to talk about is the talent base that's on the team and what direction the organization is going to go. I don't want to necessarily spend a bunch of time on this, but the Lakers just jumped up in the lottery to the number four, four spot. Something good happened in the last month. Yes, something good <laughs> happened. You and I talked a little bit about this offline and we're of the same mind about this a little bit. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to sort of like speak on the number four pick and what you think is the best strategy for the Lakers to do with the pick. Yeah. So just like Pete said, you know, I'm not going to do a Jason Kidd video, you know, like uh, along that same line, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've done a bunch of scouting on number four pro on prospects for the number four pick. I'm not a big college basketball guy. It's just not my thing. I don't have time to do it during the season along with, you know, all the NBA obligations. And I I don't think that you are a big college basketball guy either. So like for either of us to sit here and talk about, Oh, who should the Lakers take number four, I think would be disingenuous on some level. And it would also, you know, I think be intellectually dishonest in the sense that I don't think either of us think that they're keeping this pick whether or not they actually select someone with it, like whether they trade it before the draft on draft night or, you know, they make the selection for someone else and trade it. But as great as it is that they got the number four pick, to me, it's not great in the sense of they're going to get another young player and they can continue this rebuild and whatever. Like, no, you have LeBron now. And as much as I think that there was some pushback on him from Lakers fans this year because they didn't like the way that this season went, and I think that there are justifiable concerns about the future, the, the ability to have a player like LeBron on your team is so rare that you need to go all in and try. You would be doing yourself a disservice if you did not go all in and try to win around him right now. And like, this isn't me saying, okay, ship out all the young guys, go get whoever it is that's available, whatever. No, I'm not saying that. But I do think that they need to, and they will, 
heavily, heavily investigate the possibility of trading this pick. And I think that, again, they would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't really look hard at that because the number four pick is great and as promising as that is. And I know everyone gets excited about the draft and thinks that they found the next gem and whatever. Like the reality is, is that 19, 20 year olds, whatever, like most of them are not ready to help you win games right now. And the Lakers have a lot of guys that they're still going to be having to try to develop next year to throw a rookie into that mix and ask them to contribute right now is almost unfair to them and almost setting them up to fail. I'm just going to say this right here, point blank is I don't think the Lakers need another young player. I don't think so either. No, like if you're going to trade LeBron, if LeBron demands a trade, you do all that, then fine. Like keep the number four picks, load up on what you can get, whatever. But that does not sound like it's what's going to happen. And so you, you just, you can only have so many young developing guys on one team. I just see this almost as a math problem, basically. The Lakers are positioned now where they have LeBron James, they have a bunch of open roster spots, right? Because they have departing free agents, hopefully departing free agents. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. Sorry. I hope some of these guys are on different teams next year. You weren't you you weren't excited that they hired Frank Vogel because it would give them a coach in place and time to re-sign Rajon Rondo. Um no. No, that's not why I'm excited. This is a complete tangent, but that was a bold take from him a couple weeks ago. Oh my goodness, man. So the Lakers are in a position where I'm not even sure if they have minutes for another young player in their rotation, assuming they fill out their roster with somewhat capable veterans or even if they're able to sign um, a max level guy. I do not know where this number four pick is going to get time on, on a roster just from building out a rotation with the players who are currently here. Yeah. I think um, there are two sort of best case scenarios for, for the Lakers. I think the top one is that they were to sign a max level guy. The Lakers already have a starting point guard in Lonzo Ball. They already have a starting wing, either at shooting guard or small forward in Brandon Ingram. They have another shoe shooting guard in Josh Hart. They have another combo forward in Kyle Kuzma. They have a combo big man in Mo Wagner. They have a developmental point guard in Isaac Bonga. They've got um LeBron James and they've got decisions to make on like Alex Caruso at the minimum yeah right if all of those guys are on the team next year all of those guys are rotation players save maybe Caruso <laughs> right yeah and I just don't know where you slot in a number four pick when I just named a bunch of guys and you, we haven't even named any free agent yet, right? The Lakers are going to spend that money somewhere, right? They're either going to sign a max level guy. Hopefully it's one of the top tier guys. Um, but even if it's not one of the top, top tier guys, um, they could spend it on 
one sort sort of like second tier sort sort of almost max guy and then another sort sort of like lower end eight million dollar a year guy and that's two more rotation players the way that i see it is that the lakers are best served trying to get value out of this pick um this pick has salary ballast that you can use you can do a lot of different things with the number four four pick in in a draft just from the optics and this general idea of every draft comes up and every draft where you even say like oh this is supposedly a weak draft people start to lust after top five picks regardless of who's in the because everyone thinks that they're smarter than everyone else and that they can find this draft seal someone's going to fall in love with darius garland someone's going to fall fall in love with jared culver someone may even fall in love with cam reddish right like there are all of these guys who were slotted to go anywhere between fourth and tenth and there's going to be a team who's going to want this pick. And if the Lakers can find a way to package this pick and one other thing or two other things that are currently on their roster and trade that in for something that is going to help them not only next season, but beyond next season, that to me is the better option than just drafting another 18, 19, or 20-year-old and expecting them to come in and contribute on a LeBron James-led Lakers team. And maybe I'll get pushback on that idea, but that's just where I am. No, I'm in complete agreement with you. And it's like, it's not Anthony Davis or bust either, because it does seem like, based on the leaks that we're getting, that Anthony Davis is definitely not a shoe-in, that the Lakers are going to be able to go get him, despite management changing over there and all the talk that they're going to go get the best deal. It does seem like there are still maybe some hard feelings in the within the Pelicans because like it wasn't just Dell Demps who was upset with the Lakers like it was ownership it was presumably other people in the front office like that kind of stuff sets in and so even if it's not Davis there are going to be other guys that are available in deals there's going to be your Bradley Beals there's going to be like even there were even whispers the Lakers possibly being interested in Kyle Lowry and like I'm not saying that you should trade the number four pick for Kyle Lowry I'm just saying that there are going to be guys that could help the Lakers next year that are available, like beyond even just those two or those three, if you're counting Davis. There will be sign and trade options. There's a lot of time between now and the middle of July, right? The Lakers do not need to even sign their draft pick after they draft him. Like they can have a deal in place at the draft. There are so many different permeations of of deals that will exist over the next two months. And I just think that from where we are now, the Lakers are going to be best served using this pick as, as an asset to get more of a veteran piece on the roster next season that, that can be a contributor. Um, I think that that's it for us right now. I appreciate you, Harrison, coming on. Do you have anything to plug besides Silver Screen and Roll, the podcast, and anything you want to shout 
we'll, we'll, we'll shout out right now before we go. No, just uh, just all that stuff. Check out the site, silverscreenandroll.com. Check out the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. We're going to be going back to daily episodes soon once we start to get closer to the draft. Uh, right now, we're doing three days a week with our hosts mixing and matching. I, I'm also doing a movie podcast with my fiance where we go back and watch our favorite childhood movies. It's called Is This Movie Still Good? to see if it still holds up um that's been a lot of fun that's just been like a side passion project that i've enjoyed doing but mostly just the site and uh you know i'm really really proud of the team that we've been able to assemble both at the podcast network and on the writing side at the site and even doing video for us so like i think you know we're trying to make it the best lakers coverage site it can be and so just definitely check out silver screen and roll on all of our platforms all right, Harrison, thanks again for, for coming on. You've been listening to the Laker Film, Film Room podcast, and we'll catch you guys next time. Just give me a chance to think. It takes <laughs> me a little while to get wound up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladi. Nice rebound to Vladi. Oh, magic ahead and go to face. Goes under and scores. With a family motivation, listen to the crowd. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right in my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>